Hello and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andre Degeler. In today's episode, I would like you to listen to an interview with Nicola Bates. Uh, she works at Boeing, as in the aerospace company, as the head of global accelerators and innovation programs. The reason why I wanted to run this interview right now is that they actually have a call uh, for applications open until October 8th. So if this is your thing, uh, do apply a look at the show notes. I will include the link there. If it's not your thing, I would still advise you to listen to this interview. It's really interesting. So Nicola, she actually studied law in the university. Then she spent a lot of time advocating for SMEs in the UK and then ended up joining Boeing to, I quote, fix things from the inside. So this is a great one. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, talking to Nicola and I think you will enjoy the conversation as well. I'm Nicola Bates. Um, I am the senior manager for the Global uh, Accelerators and Innovation Programs um, at Boeing. I've been with Boeing for uh, just over four years now, um, and being at a corporate was definitely not a career plan for me. Um, it, it happened by it happened by accident, um, and really, I came from the startup world. Um, mm-hmm. Originally, um, had had trained as a, as a lawyer originally. Um, oh, yeah, I know. Uh, still in recovery. Uh, never, never practiced though, and um, accidentally really found my way into working with you know, with small businesses and mm-hmm. early stage companies, you know, and in that time, and in showing my age here, helping them get online, understand this this new world that was coming. And that really started a journey for me. And where I was really passionate was working with, you know, with these small businesses, you know, and almost in the, the David and Goliath um, type scenario. And find myself, you know, again, not not by any real plan, um, working with a an early stage company that had been successful in mm-hmm. terms of uh, cyber intelligence, had won an Olympic contract um, for London 2012. Huh. And it was just before that that I joined the team. And um, that really started a real roller coaster of a journey into, you know, what I would call proper startup life, you know, raising money, scaling the team internationally, dealing with global clients. And um, so it was a real it was a real roller coaster. Um, for us. And, and through that, I really found myself in a position championing other SMEs as well, um, mostly to government because government was our was our main customer. And really through that, then almost, you know, find myself as a as a bit of a spokesperson for the startup mm-hmm. community and the and the SME community uh, to government, particularly in the cyber and intelligence space um, mm-hmm. and w- was appointed um, by the security minister as the SME representative to the Security and Resilience Growth Partnership, which is ultimately right. where where my relationship with Boeing happened. And, and we're was, talking about the government of which country? Of the United Kingdom. Right. Yeah. And so if we stay on the metaphor of David and Goliath, you ended up joining the Goliath. I, I, I kind of did, <laughs> yes. Um, and, the, um, and at the time, um, I, had, I had recently exited the startup that I was with. If I'm honest, I was tired. You know, the, the the startup journey takes its toll, and I was tired, and I and I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do next. Uh, some of my some of my industry colleagues thought it would be really funny um, to suggest that I should go work for <laughs> Boeing because at that time I was really passionate and uh, and quite forthright in my opinions about large companies and and their treatment of of SMEs. And I went and I and I had a conversation and. It just it ended up as one of those, you know, it felt like a challenge to me. You know, I can't I've I fought for for four or five years, you know, on the, you know, on the on the SME side, on the, mm-hmm. on the startup side, 
the only way to fix this is actually to go into one of these large companies and fix it from the inside. That's why I joined Boeing. And I've been very lucky in that they have been very open to allowing my <laughs> passion, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to uh, and give me the opportunity to actually really, you know, to really go do it. Why not the government then? Uh, wouldn't that be a good place to fix things? Um, at the time, um, there was an opportunity in government as well. Um, and mm-hmm. to be honest, I didn't feel like my personality would would gel in a government <laughs> organization. I thought um, I, I, I didn't think that I could do it there. I thought that industry would give me, you know, because, because is that ultimately that the business case stacks to bring in more innovators, you know, into large organizations. It just makes sense to the bottom line. So I felt that that was a that was a better way for me to do it, where I could be more successful. And but even at that, I knew that on a personal level, it was going to be a real challenge for me going into a very large organization, and it was. Yeah, I guess if you think about uh, the startup environment and then about the governmental environment, then the corporate environment would be somewhere in the middle of the two. Yeah, well, well, that was certainly my thinking uh, when I when I started <laughs> out. I don't know how real that is, but that was certainly where my head was at. Right. And so now you are in charge of this uh, program that's called Aerospace Accelerator, right? Yes. Which is? Um, so Aerospace Accelerated is a is a global um, 12-week accelerator program um, where industry now has the lead. So it's not a Boeing-only program. Mm-hmm. Um, we have industry partners that, that support us. So GKN Aerospace has been our has been our partner since day one in this program. Um, it was previously called the ATI Boeing Accelerator where we partnered with UK government um, mm-hmm. to deliver the program. And now Boeing has taken on the leadership role of that program, so that really so that we can scale it. Mm-hmm. I understand. Actually, we had a conversation with Will Benton, uh, yeah. who used to be in charge of the ATI Boeing Accelerator. That was, I think, somewhere in uh, 20, 2019, before the uh, second batch or something yes. like that. So what's changed uh, with the change of the name? Um, so really what's changed is just... Um, It's just the leadership of the program is now with industry, whereas previously um, it was um, the leadership of the program came from the the Aerospace Technology Institute with our support. So just a slight change in that regard. In terms of the overall program, um, it's still delivered by the same program team. So Will is still our venture partner and we're delighted Mm -hmm. to have that kind of continuity. Our industry partners um, have stayed with us as well. So as I said, GKN Aerospace um, is the is the main one that supports us in this. Um, this year, we've also added um, the Ministry of Defence from the UK. Yeah, yeah um, that's recently, right? Just just last week, yeah, we, we announced um, that DASA, um, so it's the Defence and Security Accelerator within the Ministry of Defence, um, has, has come on board to join us this year as well. And that's really just to open more doors to our startups. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, you know, the theory is that, you know, what we always say is we provide our teams with unfair access but mm-hmm. not unfair outcomes. So really that's our, you know, our, our mission here is to ensure that that all of these doors that, you know, are quite difficult for for startups to get through, you know, are blown wide open for them and that's that's really what we're trying to achieve through this program. Yeah, that's especially in the governmental and defense space, I guess that's very true. Now, so uh, I I just read through uh, the uh, uh, program's description on the website. So just to, to quickly understand, so it's a 12-week program. Uh, is it an in-person program? Do you, uh, now that everything is getting open slowly, uh, do you actually want the founders and the teams to uh, move to the program location uh, for the whole duration of the program? So no, um, what we actually found was that um, during our COVID year, we had significantly increased diversity from a fully virtual program. Now, that said, we also find challenges with a, f- a fully virtual program. And um, there are things that you do miss 
um, in terms of you know being able to get teams together. So what our intent is this year um, is that we'll do we'll do a hybrid version of that. Um, and that will really depend on the final 10 teams that we accept into the program. Mm-hmm. So we've decided that we aren't going to make a final decision on the hard um, structure um, of the of the program until we actually get the teams and understand. And the reason that I say that is that last year we had a team from Australia in the program, <laughs> as well as teams from Europe and, and, t- and a team from the US. So really for us, you know, we want this program to be open to everyone. And whether that is, you know, because of, family commitments or geography, you know, situations, we don't want to close anything down. And equally, no one knows what's going to happen this winter with COVID. So, oh, yes. you know, for us, it, it was really, we, we know that we can be flexible and um, we know that we can make it work in one extreme or, you know, completely in person or completely virtual. Um, our hope is that we would do deliver content virtually, but also have points in the program where we, where we bring everyone together, because there, there's definitely something special about being able to bring the group together. Right. And your applications are still open until October 8th, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, that's correct. Um, October 8th at 12 p.m. BST. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's very precise. <laughs> and uh, and what's, the, what's the timeline then? Um, so, yeah, so selection will run um, run through October um, and November. So our, our internal um, kind of selection where we, we bring in our what we call our Boeing champions, and other industry experts um, to help us assess the applications and a number of down selects that we'll do. Um, ultimately, we will um, shortlist to 20 teams. Those mm-hmm. 20 teams will be invited to um, a series of selection days, probably two this year, that will happen the first week in December. The very next day after those selection days, um, emails will come out letting letting the final 10 teams know um, mm-hmm. of their success um, in, in winning a place at the program. You know, already we've seen how competitive the program is. It has been really competitive the previous two years. And the one thing that I would say to teams is that if you're not successful, it's not necessarily because you weren't good enough. Um, It's not, you know, because there's a lot of other factors. So for us, a big part of that is, do we believe that we can actually, you know, across the group, do we believe that we can actually deliver a proof of concept within a reasonable period of time for the 10 companies? So for us, it's, it's really important um, that we're focused on, you know, how do we actually deliver, you know, real life projects for these teams or real life revenue opportunities for the teams. It's not just, you know, it's not just the the education part of the program. Um, it really is important to us that we're able to deliver on the business commitment as well. So is that, is that the goal that within the program you need to uh, create some sort of a tangible uh, result together with the startup? Yeah, so for us, that's really important. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, it, it it happens within the 12 weeks because, you know, it is aerospace, let's be realistic. However, <laughs> you know, we have come up, we, you know, we do overcome a lot of hurdles. Um, so, for example, even something that sounds really simple, like becoming a Boeing supplier, typically takes a lot, you know, takes a, outside of this program, takes a very long period of time. But what we actually do is we actually, um, all of all of the 10 that take investment from us, we actually onboard them as suppliers as part of that process. So mm-hmm. that's a huge hurdle that you're overcoming and um, before you even get into the program. You know, so that, that cuts out a lot of our timeline when we've already done that. But but really it's about making sure that we establish those deep relationships and and, and get that traction, you know, going during the, the, the 12-week period. That said, at the end of the 12-week period, because we, the Boeing company, have made investments into these companies. Mm-hmm. The program doesn't really end. The educational piece ends, 
but our ongoing support of those teams doesn't end. We continue to work with them, you know, on a daily basis, helping them actually deliver on that traction in, inside the business and looking for, for new opportunities as well. Right. And the investment port, uh, how much do you invest and uh, what sort of terms do you apply? Um, so we invest £100,000 sterling um, into each of the companies and it's done through a simple safe agreement. Great. And they don't actually have to accept it if they don't want nope. to, if I'm mistaken, right? They don't have to accept but, it, no. But I think they all have so far. They all have so far. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something very special about, you know, being able to say that the Boeing company is an investor in a startup you know, as young as some of the teams that we have taken. Right. Why actually, uh, speaking of, I, I was thinking, uh, why do you not use the word Boeing in the name of the acceleration program right now? So it used to be ATI Boeing, mm -hmm. and now it's just Aerospace Accelerated, right? Yeah. And that's really because this isn't done to be the Boeing show. That isn't why we do this. Um, this is not a marketing play for the Boeing company. Um, what we really believe is that we have a responsibility as the largest aerospace company in the world um, to support the ecosystem, and that's exactly what we're doing. And some of the, you know, the challenges that we had previously were: will other industry partners join if it's a Boeing program? Um, mm -hmm. And our answer is okay. Then we'll take it away. It won't be. Um, you know, we have an external delivery partner. Um, you know, to to help us provide that neutrality as well. For us, this is really about how do we, as as the aerospace sector, stand together and help these teams actually grow because that makes us better. Um, it challenges us to be more innovative internally ourselves, um, but it also provides us access to a level of innovation that, that just isn't possible um, with such large organizations. And, and, and it's that agility, being able to you know, provide access to that and also to be able to attract companies from other sectors into aerospace, because we know mm. that a lot of times startups will go, actually, it's easier to make money somewhere else. So we're just going to mm. go over there, which means that aerospace loses this, you know, some of these brilliant innovators to other sectors for that reason alone. And, and we need to stop that. You know, we need to help bring them in um, and make it, make it a good business decision for them, you know, to come into aerospace. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, so you said that you have these external delivery partners. So how about yourself? What is your actual role? As in, like, what is it that you actually do day to day? Um, so on a well, that can vary widely. Um, so um, on a on a day to day basis, obviously, you know, I'm you know I'm a an investment lead for Boeing in this program. Um, in terms of actually, you know, making the you know getting getting us to the, the final ten and, and making ultimately making that final decision. Um, in terms of, in terms of the investment, mm -hmm. um, but it can also range from you know providing support to the teams. Um, you know, and that can range from founders have fallen out help us um how do we how do we negotiate our way through this you know can be very personal um it can be i'm here as a founder i've got a decision in front of me to make but i've got three kids at home and i need to pay the bills it can be all of those things as well as at the more you know at the boeing side um is obviously you know navigating our way through um a very very large organization and trying to find those opportunities where we can you know, we can join some dots and a, and a lot of it is really that and is really about seeing opportunities internally that I actually think, wow, if we just if we just joined the dots with our teams, we could do this, we could do something very different. And it's as well about ensuring that international exposure. Boeing's a huge company. Mm -hmm. So what we as a team, we, you know, we interface a lot with our colleagues in what's called Boeing International, which is all of our internationally based sites to really understand what's going on with all of them, what have they got coming up, how can we actually leverage that for the, you know, for the teams that we have in our portfolio, 
or is there an opportunity for us to help the local ecosystem? Um, and we're doing a lot of work now, and that's really in our scaling um, that we'll see out through next year is how can we get into more ecosystems internationally um, and begin to get visibility of more teams and support more teams and really scale up that, you know, what we're providing through Aerospace Accelerated. Right. Do you actually mean that uh, you're going to have more programs potentially in the future or uh, expand this one? Um, so this program is a, is a global program anyway. We've always accepted um, applications from across the world. The focus has obviously been on the UK, um, you know, to date. However, that's been because that, you know, that's where our, you know, obviously we're working with UK government and then our network is there. So obviously, you know, beginning to land this in other places is, you know, is important to us and um, mm -hmm. that we get into other ecosystems. The other thing, though, is that other ecosystems are very, very different. You know, we cannot just assume that, you know, the same thing will work in every um, for every every geography because it because it won't. So we are spending a lot of time in other ecosystems, learning, understanding what's there and what's unique to them and beginning to build programs around them. So. You know, will it be an expansion of Aerospace Accelerated? Will it be more cohorts per year? I don't know is the honest answer to that because I, I, mm -hmm. I'm i not yet firm that that makes sense for us. I think that there are other, other ecosystems that need other more infrastructural pieces in place to, you know, to provide the opportunity to get their teams up to a standard where they would, where they would be able to be successful in an application in a global accelerator like Aerospace Accelerator. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I also had a few questions just about the actual industry that you're working in, just to understand uh, things uh, better. Yes. And uh, staying on the uh, things that are written on the website. So mm -hmm. uh, you were saying that you're looking for autonomy and AI startups that advance the future of aerospace. Yes. So how exactly do autonomy and AI startups advance the future of aerospace? Um, so it could be, and, and this is where, you know, on one hand, we've set out some very, you know, very specific buckets there that and those those come from our our both our um relationship with the ministry of defense in the uk where they've set out their defense innovation priorities and also our um boeing enterprise technology priorities so you, you'll see some of those those set out there now that said <laughs> what we don't want to do is limit the thinking so you know there we always see every year that that there are startups that come through with ideas that we hadn't considered we hadn't thought about as, as an area of focus so in terms of, you know, it's really anything that you can think about, you know, can you advance the way that aircraft are built from the factory floor all the way through to the passenger journey? So, it's, you know, it's a much wider scope than, you know, th than just that very narrow window of, you know, what does it look like on a plane? You know, remember that that the Boeing company as well, in terms of how we, you know, when we talk about aerospace, we are, you know, we are at the full spectrum. We have a, we have a mm -hmm. huge space business. We have a huge defense business. We have a huge commercial business. We also have our Boeing Global Services business. So all of the, you know, the whole capsule, I suppose. Um, so don't don't limit yourself to just those those things that you know that we have set out. Um, there there is a wild card um, segment as well. And really, mm -hmm. what we've built is um, a panel of champions, and these are both business unit experts. Um, and subject matter experts. So some of our really deep technical um, expertise is part of our panel. Um, and every single every single application that comes in is assessed by our, our, our panel of experts specific mm. to that area. So to make sure that we don't write something off as, you know, no, that, that doesn't, you know, we don't want an arbitrary write-off because it doesn't fit into a, a specific bucket. We want to try and surface the things that are, that are really, you know, could be really transformational for us. 
And do you do anything to actually try to attract uh, other startups from other industries or at least make them aware that uh, their technology could be used in the aerospace industry? Well, the, the wide definition of which you just offered. Yeah, we did. And that was actually one of the challenges um, that um, the UK government gave us um, in our first and second cohorts um, was they, they wanted to see us pull um, companies from other from other segments. And, and the obvious one for us is automotive. Um, there's a mm-hmm. lot of there's a lot of tech in automotive that you know has a direct read across. So we did specifically go after teams, and obviously we have a have a scouting um you know a scouting element of this program too, where we have a team of people that specifically go out to find the teams, uh, and those are are usually geography focused um or sector sectorally focused mm-hmm. that we that we make a specific push um every year to go out and find teams specifically from those, um and what we were able to show from from cohorts one and two that. We can actually attract um, companies from other sectors, but more importantly, we can actually provide that stickiness into the sector as well by ensuring that we are providing real opportunities for these businesses. Right. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Okay. The next question is something that I have asked a number of times from different people working in these sort of acceleration programs with the aerospace companies. Are you actually looking for startups that actually build planes? Like because normally, like for me, especially when I, uh, I I'm like coming from very much from from the other side of uh, of the community. I'm not uh, that proficient in aerospace. When I hear aerospace accelerator and I come, for example, to a demo day, I expect to see something flying. Okay, <laughs> and uh, uh, this just never this just never happens. Uh, no. So, are you actually looking for uh, for, for like actual aero, aircraft related uh, things, or are you mostly focused on the autonomy and AI that you listed on the website? Yeah. So, so this obviously for this program is is very much focused on autonomy and AI, and we have you know typically in terms of what, you know in terms of hardware related um, mm-hmm. startups, we typically don't take them through these programs. And I say that because it's a 12-week window and hardware inside 12 weeks, in my view, is impossible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's really why now we do get inundated with people that, you know, that apply to the program that have, you know, that are, that are building a new platform or a new vehicle. We typically don't. And that's not to say that Boeing's not interested, it's that this part of Boeing isn't, mm-hmm. that's not what we're focused on. Um, and that's really just because because of the capital that's required to make them successful, the length of time and the regulatory aspects, you know, they're, they're huge challenges to overcome. So I would say that we would be interested in the more mature platforms, um, mm. but certainly not at this, you know, in this area, this this kind of, you know, kind of pre-series A, seed stage companies. Um, that's That's not an area of focus for us. Right, absolutely. And where do you think... Uh... Uh, would they actually go? What's a good place for uh, these kind of uh, companies to uh, seek support from? Um, so obviously, for those that you know, and, and my knowledge is um, is obviously very focused around the UK. So obviously, there's there's a lot of UK government support um, in those mm-hmm. very very early stages for those platform plays. So I think that that makes sense. And then you know, the other thing is you know to really think because the other thing that I see a lot is there's a lot of platforms out there, but not a lot of differentiation. <laughs> Um, so there's a lot of people just want to build cool things, and that's great. But is there actually a business here? And and that's the piece that I would you know that I would urge people to focus on because there is so much you know in this overall ecosystem of getting to this future of mobility you know space, the infrastructure required um, to actually mm-hmm. make these vehicles fly in a you know in a safe way 
um, is huge. We have huge challenges to overcome. It's not all about the vehicle. So I would just urge people to really, really dig deep about what's needed in the market. And is it really a platform that's missing? Is there is there a gap in the market right now for a platform? What we're seeing is that there is so many options. <laughs> and actually, we you know there, there, there's going to have to be consolidation in the market before that makes real sense. So I would encourage people to use that knowledge and really think about what are the challenges and what are the gaps? And is this what you want to, you know, does this make sense to, to do in the long term? Right, right. So we are approaching the half an hour mark, which is usually uh, where I try to keep this conversation so that uh, nobody uh, gets uh, bored too much. And uh, But last thing I wanted to ask you, and please don't uh, think that you have to finish in like three minutes. Uh, it's not the case. You can talk as much as you want. What is your actual take on this on this industry, this startup landscape within uh, this vertical that you're working in? So aerospace, autonomy, and AI infrastructure. Uh, w- what do you see happening in the UK, but also in the rest of Europe? Um, so for me, um, I where I'm, I suppose, in equal parts excited and frustrated um, is, is the opportunity <laughs> that's right in front of us. I think that the opportunity is huge. And what I see, and, and particularly for, you know, for European based startups, you know, there's absolutely no question in my mind that in terms of the quality of what I see coming through, it's extremely high. Um, the frustration comes because we're awful at selling it. We're awful at selling ourselves. And when you compare that to, you know, whenever I look at and see, you know, American teams coming through, wow, their pitches are amazing. They're, you know, what, how they, how they promote themselves is amazing. But deep down when we, when we dig into the tech, are we any, are we far behind? No. Are we behind at all? I don't believe we are. I think that we are equally as good, if not better than the American teams. But what we're missing is the capital. And, and the ability to raise the capital. And a lot of that, I think, comes from our ambition levels not being high enough. Uh, and fundamentally, culturally, we're, we're just not as good at selling ourselves. So that's the thing that I think that, you know, is the frustrating part, because I think that we have so much opportunity here. Um, and I, I believe we're better. Um, and, and I think that we need the rest, you know, as an ecosystem, we need to believe we're better. Right, right. That makes sense. But uh, the funny thing is, I have heard this so many times over the past 10 years. So I- I'm Ukrainian, I come from Ukraine myself. Yeah. And the first place uh, when I heard it was actually in Ukraine. So the uh, usual narrative was like, we have all these amazing tech talent, uh, but we can't, uh, we, we can't sell uh, ourselves. Then, okay, a wider CE ecosystem, Eastern Europe. Yeah, we, we have this great tech talent, but we can't really sell ourselves, we can't raise money. And, and now I'm hearing this from someone who was uh, mostly working uh, with the UK uh, uh, ecosystem and so like uh, do you think it's all uh, it's all fair like for all the parts of Europe or do you think it's uh, still like uh, varies <laughs> um, of course it varies and it varies from you know from from team to team but I think that you know to take a broad brush you know kind of look at it and you know it's a glaring you know to me every day it's a glaringly obvious thing and, <laughs> and it's so frustrating because it's right there in front of us um you know when I know that you know as the Boeing company, we have absolutely recognized that, you know, globalization for us is really important, that we need to be able to do more. So, you know, our increase in R&D spend outside of the United States is very significant because there's a huge right. amount of talent. You know, great ideas and, and talent doesn't only doesn't only live in the United States. Wowee, shock. Um, you know, <laughs> but that's the reality. And, and I think that I think more more and more people are beginning to realize this. I think that the last year, if anything, has helped because access to capital has been different because everyone's been remote. Um, So that idea Mm -hmm. of where are you based hasn't really been an issue uh, in the same way. So um, so I think that that if anything, that, you know, that's 
almost a kickstart for us to say, right, okay, now we're really serious about making investments and deploying our capital in places other than the United States. It's time for us now as a, as a community here in Europe to stand up and say, yes, we're, we're ready. We're ready to take on that challenge. And that there has to be, a, you know, that piece of collaboration as well of those of us who, who aren't innovators, who are, who are not those number ones in, in those startup teams to support those founders in, in every way that we can um, to make sure that, that we really, you know, make the most of this opportunity. So what does it mean in practice? Uh, what do we do to solve this as, as European community, you'll say? Um, I think that to me, the big thing is always actually being prepared to share and, and talk to one another. Um, I think that is is the biggest thing. This is ultimately about people and, and these teams are only ever successful if we can support their founders. You know, so to me, that's that that is the most the, the most important part of this is um, is how we collectively can come together to give what whatever we have to give, whether that's advice, whether that's access to capital, whether that's opening some doors being supportive, whether it's a shoulder to cry on. We all know that that's just as important for startup founders as anything else these days. Whatever we have to give to make sure that we give it, do we give it freely, you know, and and as widely as we can and and, and just being open with our, you know, with our, with our contacts and also our reality, you know, because sometimes, you know, a lot of, like, as we say, we spend an awful lot of our time working with our teams, telling them that they probably don't want to be a Boeing supplier because it's really hard. <laughs> And perhaps they fit somewhere else in the ecosystem and we help them understand where they fit. But I think it's that part about being honest and saying, yep, we know what yeah. the challenges are to work with us. And for your team and where you're sitting, this doesn't make sense. It makes sense somewhere else. So being honest about that and saying for varying reasons, we can't change to make you fit into our system or, or our business, but we can help you find out where you do fit. And I think being honest about that rather than trying to be everything to everyone because it just wastes everyone's time. Makes a lot of sense. Nicola, thank you so much. Thanks for this. This is a great uh, uh, place to uh, finish this conversation, I think. So thanks a lot again for joining. Thanks for taking the time to talk. And uh, good luck. Good luck with everything you're doing with uh, Aerospace Accelerated. And I'm very much looking forward to uh, seeing the next cohort. Thank you. And this is it for today's episode. Big thanks to Nicola for joining and big thanks to you for listening to this one. As we said in the interview, applications for the Aerospace Accelerated program are open until October 8, so make sure you apply in time if you are interested. And if you like our show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts and if that place happened to have a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. It means the world to us. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Always send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andre Daler, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy your week. Bye-bye.